I don't know why I count up. You should count down, right? Do you want to redo that? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> no. Wait, yes, now I do. Okay. This is on you. I know. What's happening? Hi. Hi, Andy. Hi, Philip. Hi, listener. Thank you for listening to I almost said ghoul school. Can you believe that? Wow. That's that's how much ghoul school work I've been doing lately. Okay. Well, now that we're here, let's plug Andy's other podcast, Ghoul School. You yeah. should head on over and check that out. Yeah, well, you were on it recently. Yeah. So you should people should listen to hear you on it. Yeah. It's it's a different me. Yeah. It's the <laughs> same you. Okay. That's why we love you, because you're uh, always you. I can't be anything but me. Nope. What's this show called? Okay, but... <laughs> Hi, and welcome <laughs> to Look Good for the Boys, a horror gossip podcast. I am Philip. I'm Andy. You should consider, briefly, don't make a big deal of it. You don't need to sleep on it. Just briefly consider right now. If you want to rate and review us, and if that answer is yes, then go rate and review us. We'll, we'll, you can pause this, and we'll wait for you mm-hmm. while you do that, and then we you will. can come back. And it helps our show with the algorithm, I, I hear tell. Sure. And that's, there you go. That's, that's that. That is we that. Don't need to, I'm not going to keep ta- harping on it. No, there's no need. No. No. It's, it's you a, either do it or you don't. Look, it's a season of giving. And if you're the kind of person that can be comfortable with not giving during the season of giving, I mean, that's, that's your prerogative. Yeah. And it's not for me to judge. Your God might judge you. Well, but it, I won't. And at least you know who you are. Yeah. As yeah, a person. Exactly. It's know? good to know that about yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. Rate yeah. and review or don't. It's fine. It's fine either way. We don't yeah. care. So before we dive into today's focus, I had a question that came up. You today. always have a question. Is it wrong to ask questions? No, it's I good. feel like the world needs people <laughs> asking more questions. I appreciate it. You just have a very Socratic outlook. It's fine. Yeah. It's important. What's your question? (laughs) Okay, so give me a second with this. Today, when I was explaining what we're going to be talking about today, my friend Sam mentioned doing family therapy with... My actual family? I agree. Well, we've covered that. (laughs) No, with the White family from Carrie. And I was like, that's actually, no, that's more of a social services call. That's that's beyond therapy. I don't think anybody can, there's no, there's no amount of talking that's going to figure that out. No, No. that's someone needs to be taken away from a situation. Very much. Yeah. 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 You cannot fix Mrs. White. No. No. But that led me to a question. Are there horror families out there that don't need family therapy that are just fine? Oh, you mean they're, they're doing fine? Yeah. They're okay. Yeah, are there any ones you would sign off? I don't know if the folks at Midian in Nightbreed need a whole lot of therapy. Okay. I think whatever issues they have, they would work it out on their own if it weren't for the intrusion of square society. Mm-hmm. The, night, the Nightbreed folks would be a fine family. But that's also okay. a... Okay, but look, a big part of therapy is acknowledging that we aren't 
individuals separate from society. We have to live in society. Yeah. And so a big part of therapy is learning how to bridge that gap if there is one. Yeah. But I also, I don't want to get into this, I guess, but like when society is like fascist, <laughs> <laughs> not getting along with fascism is like, I argue the healthy thing. So even then the nightbreed folks did just fine. <laughs> okay. All right. I am team Midian when it comes to the Midian v. human society scenario. I don't know. Do you think of anything, any families that are fine? You know, I would like to think that the Jaws family. The sharks? Yeah, that they're okay. Uh, I mean. I mean, they're not. They're not because of the fucking Brodies. Yeah. Keep killing yeah. them. <laughs> Again, if if society... Yeah, we'll just leave them alone and let them be who they are. Let them let them have their lunch, you know. Mm-hmm. Give it a rest. I mean, they really just were snacking here and Relax. there. Relax. We're not going extinct. Yeah, right. I think in the humans against sharks contest, humans are still pretty far in the lead. Yeah, right. As far as numbers are concerned. Yeah, yeah. see it as population control. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's eight billion of us, gang. The sharks aren't gonna win. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> You know another family that I would argue for? What? The Wrong Turn Brothers. <laughs> yeah, they're doing great. They, I mean, they're they living, are. They're living, yeah, yeah. They're living the life they want to live. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So many of these families, it's just like, just stay out of there. Yeah. Just I mean, don't go <laughs> messing in their backyard and everything will be fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the, well, okay. The Hills Have Eyes clan has some problem. They have some internal issues. Y- yes. So they don't, they're not good at working together, let alone with others. So the Cenobites, I mean, but they're really more coworkers. You know, actually, yeah. Can you imagine Pinhead going up to the other Cenobites and being like, we're really more of a family. Like, <laughs> that's a red flag. That's, yeah. a, that's work, man. This is the job. You don't... Nor would Pinhead ever actually say that. No, yeah. He, they are coworkers to him. He definitely takes the job seriously, mm-hmm. but I don't think he's <laughs> evil enough <laughs> to be like middle management about it, you yeah. know, and, and like truly enforce like a family culture with his coworkers. I don't think, I think even, he, I think he understands that these relationships are merely professional that mm-hmm. he has, and he would never manipulate his coworkers in that way even if they were subordinates i don't think that he's the you know he doesn't have posters of i don't know a golfer with like the word integrity under it and then like a <laughs> quote from sun tzu or something like yeah. he's not that kind of a dickhead no he's very straightforward with his shit yeah yeah he gets that i mean to him he might have like a it's not a job it's an adventure mm-hmm. look at his work but he's definitely not doing the we're a family shit. No. All right, just curious. Yeah, I don't know. I, there's a lot. I keep coming up with families that I want to do this for. There's a lot of them. So we definitely should do this again next year. Yeah. Yeah, I really want to talk about the femmes from Old Dark House. Okay. And the sisters from Ginger Snaps. Mm-hmm. So... Today, we're continuing our series for the holidays on family therapy, in case you haven't guessed already. Can I ask you a question? Sure. (laughs) Why not? I'm just going to derail this. I'm so sorry. 
It's not, it hasn't even been railed yet. You're right. <laughs> I haven't even been railed yet. You were on my show recently. I know I keep plugging it. Get over it. What show, Andy? Ghoul School, a horror history podcast. And whose show? It's mine. You were on it, and I had a question for you, because when you were talking about Popcorn, the movie Popcorn, mm-hmm. and you said Maggie is your favorite final girl from mm-hmm. Popcorn, and you said the reason was because it was like a slasher movie for you. Like, it was you identify with Maggie, you related to her, and you said specifically that you knew people and still know people that are like the her fellow students in her film class. And I want to know, Philip, who am I? In popcorn. Who do you think you are? I don't know. I feel like there's a few options. I feel like Toby is one. Toby was my go-to. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, Toby's the only one that fits to me. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I don't know. I think I'm a little bit... You wish you were Kelly Jo Minter's character. Well, yeah, exactly. That's who who I want to be in my life. Mm Mm-hmm. But Kelly Jo Mentor's the best. Right. Honestly, you and I are both a little Maggie and we're both, both a little, a little Toby. Toby. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Okay. Okay. So we are continuing our new holiday tradition today of giving family therapy to those horror families that are struggling. Yeah. Because, you know, this is a time where we're all forced to be together and we can all use a little boost in how to deal with each other. It's a rough time. Emotions are running high. Tensions are running high. People are, you know, running out of patience, getting frustrated a little easier, and nobody knows how to do that to you better than your family. And the biggest asshole of it all is that expectations are the highest they can be. Honestly, yeah. It's if we could just all just as a society chill out for a minute. Right. And be like, hey, enough of this expectation business. Right. Calm down. A lot of families would have a burden lifted. Yeah, that's like 80% of holiday family therapy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Not today, though. You know, I don't know. I do think expectation is a big problem for the for the family we're going to talk about today. Well, let's d- introduce today's family. Yes. So today we are talking about Spider Baby from 1967. Yes. Well, <laughs> 1964 and then 1967 and then 1968 and then 1999. Yep. <laughs> the, th- the three points in history where it might have been available to see this movie until now. It actually was not available to see in 64, I don't know what I'm talking about. It was made in 64. It was, yeah, it was shot in 64 and then didn't get released until 67, 68, and then kind of went missing for a while, for a long time. Until the 90s. Until the 90s. I remember when, in 99, when it was like, (gasps) Spider Baby. (laughs) A lot of the horror forums were talking about it. Anyway... The Mary family. Yes, the Mary family from Spider Baby. And by extension, the Howe The family. Howe family, yeah. And uh, we might dabble a little <laughs> bit in the Morris and Schlockers. <laughs> <laughs> Look, none of these people are coming from happy houses, I no, think. No, no. We got our work cut out for us today. Yeah. I first want to say... This movie's great and you need to go watch yeah, it. It's I was on g- Tubi. I was really eager because we haven't discussed it at all since you watched it and yeah. i really like my first question was going to be so philip how much do you love spider baby it's terrible <laughs> it's I amazing hate it. it's, no, it's amazing. really it's really great it is a really great example of you know that sort of like lower budget kind of drive-in style mm-hmm. borderline exploitation but also 
it's like, uh, you know, kind of a proto slasher family film. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely telegraphing Texas Chainsaw Massacre yeah. in a way. And Taylor pointed this out, that it's got like a Manson vibe to it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got this like fear of the beat counterculture or scary hippies kind of thing going on to it. That, it would, I mean, that's ahead of its time. Right. The movie's ahead of its time in a number of ways. In a number of other ways, it is very creaky and yeah. behind the time, at least, of its release. So I, I highly recommend you yeah. go watch it. It's on Tubi for free. Yeah. You know? It's, um, it's a cult classic. It is. It is absolutely a classic. It's transgressive. It's problematic. It is downright offensive in places. Lots of R words. Uh, it's got Mantan Moreland's last performance. Mm. So that's got a heap of controversy tied up in it. But it's so weird and wild, and it's got a million great lines in it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I ton of great lines. <laughs> so before we get into it, let's just do a, a quick plot summary. Yeah. Just in case you don't want to stop this and go watch it, which you should. And we are going to spoil everything. So quick plot summary. You have the Mary family, M-E-R-R-Y-E. E. And they have a very rare condition. <laughs> so Cass- rare. They are the only family that has it. Ever. Ever. And it will go extinct with this family. Passed down from their ultimate patriarch, Ebenezer Mary, (laughs) where they all have these cognitively degenerative conditions, a genetic condition in which they will basically regress as they get older after they hit a certain age until they're, you know, like from the adult brain back through childhood through and eventually, and eventually to through a, infancy to a pre-human state. Yes. So they go feral. Yeah. It's like Benjamin Button brain. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And... This condition is exacerbated by the eating of any kind of meat, or at least that's a theory the family yeah. has. Yeah, because part of the regression is a tendency toward cannibalism. Yes. So you have in this family three kids left. It is the oldest is Elizabeth, Elizabeth, and then Virginia, Virginia and, and then, then Ralph. Ralph. Actually, I think Ralph is the oldest. Ralph is the oldest because he has actually regressed. Yeah, he has regressed pre-verbal. to a feral state. Yeah. And their father has passed away, and so they are being taken care of by Bruno. Bruno, the chauffeur slash caretaker, played by Lon, fuck yes, Cheney Jr. Yum. He's, everything <laughs> about him is incredible yeah. in this movie. Oh my god, yeah. Meanwhile, you have this other, these distant cousins, the Howes. Peter and Emily. Peter and Emily Howe. Emily has realized and enlisted the help of this lawyer, Schlocker. Yeah and his assistant, Ann Morris, to basically lay claim on this mansion and the fortune that comes with, because yeah. the patriarch is dead. Is dead, and these kids should now become wards of the state, et cetera, et cetera. And Emily wants all the money. And Peter, the brother, is just along for the ride. Yeah, I don't <laughs> I don't understand the... I think she probably called him up as a, like, if we need to get tough... You know, if this is a situation where there's going to be a confrontation and I might need like a guy to be intimidating about the house. But like also Peter seems like too much of a fucking sweetheart for yeah, that. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, they're brother and sister. So maybe she needed him to be there for the yeah. claim. Anyway, so they're trying to take over the house. Things obviously don't go well. <laughs> there's also some other family members yeah. in the basement. Yeah, well, <laughs> poor Uncle Ned and Aunt Clara. And... Aunt Martha. 
Oh yeah, I forgot there's about her. There's two aunts and an there's uncle. Two down aunts there. and an uncle down there, <laughs> who are way feral. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's the basic structure of the film, right? Yeah, yeah, that yeah covers yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. So my question for you, Andy, who do we include in this family therapy? So, all right. I think because they're all getting involved, and because also by the end of the film, Peter and Anne end up together. Correct. So. Sorry, Anne, you're part of this now, too. Yeah. And maybe Schlocker doesn't need to be there. But the way I see it, Peter and Emily are both like, you can't lay claim to the family property if you're not going to go in there and also be part of the family. That is very legitimate. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a real kind of like, oh, give me me the blessing without the curse kind of deal. And it's like, no, this is a package. If you want this house, you have to work it out with your family. Okay, so then let's, we have our group. We're getting rid of Schlocker. Yeah, Schlocker is, I mean, already, he's a problem for a lot of reasons. One, don't, it's, it's the 60s, bud. You don't wear a Chaplin mustache anymore because that's not Chaplin at this point. This also, is post-war, that's a Hitler stash. He looks like a middle schooler dressing he up does, as a lawyer. He does, he looks like, <laughs> he looks like when the freshman in your high school got cast as like grandpa and you can't take it with you (laughs) in the play or something. Like he very much looks like he's 14 trying to be a grown up. Mm -hmm. That mustache is glued on with spirit gum. You know what? We are temporarily relieving him of his service. Yeah. So that we can focus on the family. Whoa. Sorry. (laughs) That was a slur. Oh my God. I just had my first true slur on this podcast. Um, So we can narrow in on the important part of this clan. (laughs) Gosh, yeah. Also, it's fitting that you say clan right after saying focus on the family, because I think there's a lot of bleed over between those two groups. Yeah, god damn it. I can't win today. Okay, so we have the hows and the marys. The hows? How merry was it? (laughs) Here's the thing. There's only one person in this that, like, is a big problem that I am uncertain of the capacity for her to remain in this family. Is it Emily? Yes, it's okay. Emily. Okay, I was just, that's a little victim blamey. A victim blamey? A victim of what? Ralph. I mean, okay, well, that's later. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's talk pre-Ralph. <laughs> okay, I think that we need to divide this into two segments. There's yeah. the family therapy where we are, you know, working with them together, but then there's the individual section that needs to come first where we address the individual problems that are not going to work, bringing them together, such as Ralph and Emily. Yeah, I think Ralph and Emily are both the two biggest problems, but also like, oh God, it's, this is difficult to talk about for a lot of reasons. Because keep in mind, Ralph has regressed to pre-verbal, so he's probably at the mentality of a a two-year-old. Yeah. In the body of like an adult. Here's the other thing. I don't know if I buy all this. Wait, what? I don't know if I buy this disease. I think this this disease sounds like somebody. It's one of those things where like in the 60s, this is what we thought it was. But then in like 2022, you're like, no, there's a whole different set of vocabulary for this. I think I'm just saying psychotherapy in the 1960s. Can it be trusted? Can you really say like, oh, this genetic predisposition to whatever they like to say genetic predisposition about a lot of things back in the 60s okay so what do you think this is then i don't know but whatever it is they are stigmatizing it okay how is that (laughs) helpful to us i don't know (laughs) what would you have us how would you have us treat this condition well you know the world needs more brunos 
I mean, yes, that's that much is clear. I think if this situation had two or three more Brunos in it, there wouldn't be any problem at all. No, of course not. Yeah. Bruno's biggest problem in this movie is that there's not enough of him to go around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bruno, Honestly, he, like, Bruno is stretched thin. Yeah. He can't watch all these people. So in a way, it's kind of like, yeah, Schlocker's right. Here's the thing. If, if this wasn't just like Schlocker and the the you know, greedy Emily, and you, and there was like an actual like social worker involved, maybe it would be fine. Maybe. I mean, you also have to remember, as you've said... Ralph is a problem. Yeah. And then also, the kids are a little bit murderous. They're just playing. <laughs> They're just playing spider. Yeah, somebody needs to teach them to not play spider. Yeah. Instead of just saying, don't play spider. <laughs> Bruno says a lot of don't do this things to yeah. them that then they go and do. Bruno, actually, he needs some work on being a better caretaker. I love that in the same conversation where he's just like, all he says to that after she kills somebody playing spider is don't play spider. He also says in relation to something else, but in the same conversation of like, basically don't play a game that causes you to kill people. He says, just because something isn't good doesn't mean it's doesn't bad. Mean it's bad. And then follows that up with nothing is very bad. <laughs> <laughs> After he just saw that she killed somebody. Well, clearly Bruno has not seen that online web comic about the paradox of tolerance. <laughs> He's got a little too much Christian patience. Mm -hmm. Some things are very bad, Bruno. Yes. But he remains, that is a philosophy that allows him to remain very polite with people that are coming to like upend his whole life. Right. You know? He puts up with a lot. He does. And he's very patient and calm and reasonable about it all. So yeah, maybe Bruno's sin is he's too patient and he's too nice. Well, look, okay, so like taking these individuals what we need from bruno is we need a little bit of some structured training a little more assertion because he also reveals at one point that he does not think of himself as an authority figure they say to him like you're in charge here and he says i never thought of it that way right because it's yeah it's caretaker he's just carrying on his boss's wishes yeah his he swore an oath to a dying man and he yeah. takes that very seriously Loyalty is incredibly important to Bruno. Yep. And, and he also really cares about these kids. And that is the quality you want from people that are in authority positions. Especially in this scenario yeah. where they're very vulnerable people here. Yeah. The problem is, is that he doesn't know how to stand up to anyone. Right. So really what this situation needs is it needs a, a, a second caregiver who can counterbalance Bruno's personality. Yeah, and there just isn't any of that to be found around. Well, I think with proper training <laughs> and some redirection, Emily could be that. Emily? The one that shows up to take the house. Yes. I mean, she's part, you've already acknowledged she's part of the family. I, but I just, her whole thing seems to be like, get rid of these awful mutant freaks. I don't want them at my house. So I just don't see her doing that. Although, how do you read her at the end? Are we maybe to interpret her seeing Ralph with Anne as like jealousy? And she attacks him out of jealousy? Or is it a revenge for the assault? Is this a rape revenge subplot? Ah, God, it's, it's real hard to tell. By the end, I took it as a rape revenge. That's that's, that's how I take it as well. Okay. Usually. Yeah, it's 
it's hard to know what that actress is doing. Yeah. <laughs> she she <laughs> it, makes different choices. She at makes different some times. different choices. And there's also just a lot going on at the end of this movie. Yeah. There's a lot of chaos. There's so much chaos. This yeah. movie, when I saw there was only nine minutes left, I was like, what? What? How? <laughs> and they really just are like, okay, they just, now all right, it's Everything all we happening. have left is crammed in. Yeah. Open all the doors and let it spill out. <laughs> okay. I feel the need to uh, address Ralph's behavior because assault is never okay. No. And I in no way want to blame anybody but Ralph for this. Yeah. However, we need to acknowledge that Ralph is at this point practically feral he has the mind of a two-year-old and the body of an, a young adult male and so what he needs is a again a more structured environment yeah you know like bruno's able to keep ralph in order the sisters are but it's the sisters who once they decide fuck it are the ones who encourage the yeah. more aggressive <laughs> and violent behavior yeah they go they go like daisies Vera, they go vera chitilova's daisies right? at the end there <laughs> So yeah, they the three of them need strong hands yeah. and arms around them. Yeah, I don't know if, and I think Emily, here's the thing about Emily. She is mommy. She is, uh, she's got MILF Dom vibes mm-hmm. to her. So she might be able to like, I don't, I don't know if she, if she could be invested in it, you know? Well, that's a thing. That's what I mean. If she could she... be invested in, in providing that structure, she would probably be good at it. Yeah. I do love that, yeah, she's all, like, she's condescending, she's rude, she's a snob, she's mean, but you also still like her throughout. Yeah, and then and then she has that whole, like, putting on the negligee. <laughs> she puts on negligee, she's got, like, a garter belt and stockings on and is dancing around in front of a mirror. Yeah. So it's like that right there, that was the tipping point for me. Up until then, I was like, I don't know if this family could succeed with her in it. But that after I saw that, I was like, okay, she has a chance. Yeah, she she could be in this family. Yeah. Yeah, she could. There's a little bit of these weirdos in her, too. Mm-hmm. So maybe. Yeah. And Ralph just has to learn about consent. These three kids, man. And this is the thing. They're all in their 20s. Yeah. They're all in their 20s. They're all like legally adults. But they, I would say their mental capacity for Ralph is like two or under. For Virginia, it's probably six. And for Elizabeth, I would guess nine. Here's the thing. I don't, again, I think I question the science because I don't think that there's like the idea of like mental regression to age is like a tricky, it's like a weird concept to me. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, it's a fucking horror movie. Right. <laughs> it's not, what it's not trying to be real, but it's like, I feel like it's a different, the terminology would be different now. Because like he, they don't even, you know, they say the R word here. And Bruno even says, you would say, Right. You would call them this. Like I wouldn't call them that. Oh, his talk about how about how the kids are. Like he has a, a number of different lines and even little mo- mini monologues that are just like so sweet and caring. Yeah. Bruno is the best. Yeah. Jack Harris, the writer director, said that this movie was about it's a story about unconditional love. Oh. And it's like, yeah. Okay. Let's just look at the three kids real quick. Ralph is, has transitioned to almost exclusive kind of 
primal animalistic behavior. Yeah. So the, he 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 responds to different like reinforcement though and encouragement. Yes. And what I was gonna say, as fucked up as this is to say, but I'm just we're meeting the clients where they're at. Yeah. Right. That it, it is kind of like animal training, like having a pet in the house. You need to make sure you know like wh- what their triggers are, what's going to set them off, what they what the risks are, but also like know what they like and how to make them happy. And I mean, that's what Bruno does, right? I'm not saying that he's <laughs> training Ralph. Yeah. I'm saying that he's working with Ralph to give him the best life that's safest for everybody involved. Yeah. Well, except that some of it's a little... Like the whole thing about like we're vegetarians, but then Ralph is like gnawing on that cat carcass and he's like, well, Ralph gets to eat whatever he catches. And it's like, that's a pretty big exception. Yeah. Also, I feel like that rule might be encouraging him to hurt things. Right. Also, that rule might be why he's regressed faster than his siblings. (laughs) Very much so. Yeah. They say, yeah. We're afraid that eating meat is going to worsen the condition, but this guy whose condition is already really bad gets to eat meat sometimes. Yeah, I feel like that's going to make it worse. So Sid Haig, that's Sid Haig, the late, great Sid Haig. He looks like Pete Davidson in this movie. I couldn't stop thinking about it. I love his little dinner suit. It's so cute. (laughs) It's um, it's so great. I love Ralph. I love controversial. I love this whole family. Mm-hmm. I really love Elizabeth and Virginia. Oh my God, they're great. They're- okay, so let's talk about them really quick because I feel like I just have two quick things to say about them and what their needs are. Because mm-hmm. when you're talking about child development, the stage that Virginia is at is actually, now that I said six, maybe I'm closer to like four or five, where she doesn't necessarily understand how her actions might affect other people in a very psychotic and aggressive way, <laughs> clearly. You, you think? So I think that she needs more work around that because she's losing the capacity to connect that she can harm people. Yeah. Like her, she really does believe that she is playing when she's slicing that dude up at the beginning. Oh, yeah. You can almost see the moment when she was like, oh, wait, this maybe wasn't the best idea, but even then doesn't connect it to real world harm. And then fucking Elizabeth's problem is empathy. She's, that's why I put her at like, you know, uh, maybe like seven, eight where she's losing the ability to, she's almost becoming like a little bit narcissistic. She's losing that connection to the people around her. And that's why she keeps saying things like she's obsessed with the word hate. Like I love, and I I find this so fascinating. She's like, you should hate her. Yeah. Well, she's, Elizabeth is the, the one that is like actively manipulating. Right. Because when you look at child behavior development and you regress it, she's reverting right back to that point when you connect with others and you realize that yeah. like you need to empathize. Well, yeah. And she's like concerned with what other people will think about things. She's concerned with what Bruno will think about things or what daddy will think about things or what certain people will think. But it's all very much about the cues of the social order, not about like how people can feel Mm -hmm. it's about like what are the rules that i know and like what how can i work with that so it very much is yeah it's a she's conscious of other people insofar as like awareness of what strings she can pull whereas virginia's whole thing is just like no literally tie people up yeah (laughs) so again with these three kids what it becomes is a very important system of harm reduction of acknowledging what they're losing in each of these stages yeah. and compensating for it. I mean, I get, I think 
They're just horny homeschool kids. Okay. They're just weird horny homeschool <laughs> kids. Are you erasing the the Mary syndrome? I keep doing this whole thing because I'm like the Mary syndrome <laughs> for one we wouldn't call that that anymore. Like I'm trying to approach this from like a, you know, what do we understand about, you know, n- neurological conditions now? And like what is Mary syndrome actually? I just feel like we'd have different terminology for it than oh they regress until they're prehuman and then they're cannibals. Like, it just seems like, oh, there's a whole lot of, uh, I'd like to see the the clinical trials, you know, I'd like to see the studies. I mean, if it's stuck with one family, there would never be clinical trials. One family that we know of. This is what I'm saying. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Because it's also apparently related to incest. Okay. So basically my point with the kids is this. They need specialized attention and focus based on each of their individual needs and where they're at. And that needs to be able to change as they're condition or whatever continues (laughs) mary syndrome so that that aside i think that's the kids yeah the main focus then needs to be the adults because they're the ones who have to provide this yeah i don't know i mean pete peter's driving drunk (laughs) (laughs) and i mean emily driving sober is not much better (laughs) no no and Anne is Anne's fine you know what Anne's fine i don't think she should be working for someone like schlocker no. Probably. That job feels like not much of a choice for her. Yeah. It feels like a family connection <laughs> yeah. job, you know? Yeah. She got put in that. Yeah, you're right. She doesn't seem to be, like, into it. And it's also, for her, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm really speaking to the times and the personality for her. That feels like a job until she settles down. Yeah, she probably doesn't work once she gets married to Peter and they have a kid that's going to turn into a problem. Although, really? I don't know. I feel like in the hand, okay. Fast forward to the end when Peter marries Anne and they have a a child and the child turns out to have what is clearly signs of this condition. I feel like at that point that Mary and Peter are set up just fine to be parents. Like Peter's proven himself with Ralph to be adept at adapting to this kind of scenario. I don't know. When, When Virginia ties him up. And it gets weird. And it gets weird. And he... He's just like, we should play a different game. I mean, poor him. He's not, He's drunk at the time, one. Yeah, he's drunk. Yeah. And he's also immobile. Yeah. And kind of starting to get a little nervous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he doesn't know where this is going, and she doesn't seem to be stopping. Well, wherever it's going, it's either sex or violence. It's, yeah. It's pushing. There's no the, way it goes either, and it's, like anywhere else. Yeah, and it looks like it's going in both directions at the same time. <laughs> Especially, oh, God, Probably one of the most uncomfortable lines in the film (laughs) when Virginia is like on top of him and says, uh, like she's acting out what the spider has to do. Yeah. She's playing spider with him and she says, she has to tease him so his juice Juice will taste taste better. better. (laughs) 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 Do you like spiders, Mr. Howe? It's, yeah, that's quite an uncomfortable scene. Yeah. I guess bugs don't like spiders much. And then he's just like, I like spiders. I like spiders. But see, if Please Peter, don't stab me. If Peter had been in the know of exactly what was going on in this household and what these conditions were, then he might have not said, yes, you may tie me up. <laughs> I don't know. I think there were a lot of red flags going off here. I mean, look, Peter's... Virginia was eating live bugs at the table. At, at the table. <laughs> yeah, in front of him. Look, here's the thing about Peter. He is very sweet, and I think he's very capable of being a lovely 
and loving he's, parental figure in this household. He is not smart. No, he is. He is. He is a oaf. He is <laughs> oaf a, is the perfect word. He for is him. a galoot. <laughs> he's a big old dummy. Yeah, but he's so sweet. Yeah, I do like. I do like him. I don't know. He's a little patronizing. You know, he shows up and is immediately like, oh, two pretty little girls with pretty names. And it's like, oh, shut up, Peter. I mean, but, but it was the, it was the 1960s. Yeah, and also, he, I mean, maybe he didn't know it, but he was meeting them where they were at. <laughs> <laughs> Look, they're not ordinary children, Philip. No, they are very much not. So here's my suggestion for this family. Uh-huh. I don't know how much Emily is going to fight me on this, but what I would say is I would really love for Peter and Anne to come together and be in charge of this household. But I want Bruno to remain the, the children's primary caretaker. I want Emily to manage the household and get paid, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She it. should get some of the money from the estate, like like a, you know, a stipend from that that she can live off of. Yes, a very, a very Just, generous one. And we'll provide her with all the negligees that she <laughs> wants, all the lingerie <laughs> she wants to dance around in. Yep. She can have. But decisions have to come down to like the ultimate decision makers are Peter and Anne. I don't know because I, yeah, I guess so. But I think Bruno needs to be in that, you know. Well, I think that Peter and Anne are smart enough, (laughs) enough to trust Bruno and listen to his counsel. Yeah. But I think that Bruno needs to have somebody a little bit stronger in the voice of Emily as the devil on the shoulder to be like, you know, like when things balance. need to be practical. Yeah. yeah. And I do think Anna listened to Lon Chaney. She does, after all, love all of the Universal monsters. And I'm pretty sure oh my God, yes. when she lists all the monsters that she loves, that's literally all the monsters that Lon Chaney Jr. has played. Uh-huh. Dracula, the Wolfman, Frankenstein, and the Mummy. Mm-hmm. But she's so cute about it. Yeah. I lo- no, I love it. <laughs> I love when she talks about the Mummy and she's like, what did she say? Scrape, step. Scrape step. Yeah. I love the mummy. I also like when she says she really does love the wolf man because she thinks a man should be like a beast. (laughs) Oh boy. Okay. So yeah. Ralph needs to not be allowed to kill cats. No, Ralph needs to not be allowed to eat meat anymore. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't like imposing diets on people, but this leniency in this rule feels like it's creating a behavioral problem yeah you know and that's what needs to be addressed so that that is the core family structure that i foresee as being most beneficial in this regard yeah there are some (laughs) there are some uh stray threads we need to yeah we're not taking into account the three mutant cannibal monsters (laughs) in the basement yeah what do we do with aunt martha aunt clara and uncle ned Here's the thing. I think all of this fancy talk we have about, you know, structure and who's empowered to be accountable and blah, blah, blah. I think that's all well and good. But I think what it comes down to is that the only family therapy that would work for this family is what Bruno saw. You mean what he did? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think at least when it comes to Ned, (laughs) Clara, and Martha in the basement... Bruno had the only plan that's gonna work. <laughs> okay, look. First of all, I, I got would a just new like toy. to say in in the look good for the boys therapy office, <laughs> blowing up the client is not on the table. 
I mean, Bruno's Bruno. Look, I trust Bruno. Here's the thing. Given the resources that he had at his disposal and the situation that was around him, I fully yeah. support and agree with the decision that he made to blow the house up with everybody in it. Yeah, to be fair, in 1964, if there was a mental health crisis going on with more than one person in your household, dynamite probably was the best solution. Yeah. Because yeah. other than that, it was like, well, we're going to put you in a state-funded torture chamber. Mm-hmm. And then... Th- that's it. That's your. And that's, that's your or, other option. Or, or, or I mean, this was pr- this was after the uh, transorbital lobotomy craze, mm-hmm. but it was right there during electroconvulsive therapy. Yeah. So have fun in the uh, the zappy bed, Ned. So I cannot condone explosion <laughs> as a solution for therapy. But however, having said that, when it comes to the problem of the aunts and uncle of uh, Clara, Martha, and Ned. Therapy is not on no, the table. No, you can't just say it isn't nice to hate to those three. <laughs> yeah. They are 100% feral. Yeah. There's no reasoning. They are them. night of the living dead zombies. Yes. So what do we do with that? I mean, also, though, how do we know that? Maybe just being locked in the basement... In a pit. In a pit for years turns you that way. Yeah. Again, I think we just didn't understand the syndrome, you know? Given some time and some research, some good-intentioned graduate students, you know, maybe you develop a, a medication or some kind of behavioral or a dialectical therapy that, like, gets to the, like, what the real problem is. Because, you know, yeah, if you're having some kind of cognitive issue where you're going nonverbal and you're it's going to be difficult to communicate the the finer points of that and i don't think being locked in the basement is going to help that in any way okay so this is going to sound a little fucked up yeah but do we just take the aunts and uncle and donate them to science (laughs) you mean kill them and donate their bodies to science no alive okay like, just, like, enlist the help of a university yeah. to study them? You'd have to, you, yeah, I mean, you'd have to, like, provide, and this is, again, I don't think there were facilities in the 60s that would have been equipped for this. No. But you find some, yeah, you find a facility with people that you meet and talk to. Like, Bruno would have to sign off on it. I think we could convince him. Yeah. I mean... He's not doing right by them. Okay? No, but he keeps saying, no, that won't do. That won't do. He's like, got to get over this oath he swore thing. Like whatever conditions he has them in in the basement, I wouldn't wish upon any animal, you know? Yeah. Like I don't care how their mental capacities are. That's yeah. That's animal abuse. Well, and the, here's the thing. I get that they're feral. We still have to consider them people. Like they are still biologically human beings right okay so basically these three belong in the hands of an ethical organization that can care for them but also study them and potentially help them yeah and yeah i mean provide you have to provide them with like you can't be like jabbing needles in them all the time it's got to be like compassionate care yes absolutely and I think that's the only place for them. They they can't be under this roof. They're not happy there. Yeah, those three. I think the other folks oh, yeah, everybody were fine, else is fine in that house. Yeah, yeah. just the, the feral three. Yeah, the feral three. 
<laughs> it sounds like a like a late '80s hip hop trio. Yeah, like they the were they were in the movie Beat Street, or or one of the Break In movies, mm-hmm. the Feral Three. I saw them with uh, Grandmaster Flash and the Fat Boys. They were in one of the House Party movies, <laughs> but they were already kind of over the hill by then. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> they tried. I heard they were going to get back together for Rock the Bells in 2007, but what were we saying? Look. Elizabeth, Virginia, and Ralph are going to be fine at the house. You just get them a bunch of jigsaw puzzles that they can stab and tear up and eat. Yeah, they don't know how to do puzzles. <laughs> they really don't. You put a pillow in Ralph's dumb waiter yep. so that he can cruise up and down and all that all day in comfort. I will say, a couple actions on the part of the kids make me realize that they should probably have constant supervision with each other. They should not be allowed to play together alone. Because Elizabeth is very encouraging of Virginia's darker side. <laughs> oh, yeah. And and also there is that moment where Virginia is about to shove a knife up Ralph's butt. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's going to, yeah. She's. I mean, and she, she looks like she's going to stab it all the way up there. Like, Ralph yeah. wouldn't survive that. No, probably not. So these kids need supervision with each other. Yeah, they're, yeah. They just need a lot of very direct care. And you know what? With a household of four adults, for three kids, they could be fine. Could they? Yes. Okay. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot. Of, here's the thing. We know from the epilogue with Peter that there is a lot of money in this house. There's a big fortune. Even after the house blows up, yeah. there's a big fortune. So they have the resources. They just need the focus. Yeah. And I mean, again, it, you have to convince Emily that it's worthwhile to her. Right. And you have to convince Bruno that it's not a direct violation of the oath he gave to the dying. Because that's the thing is that there's all these resources, but Bruno doesn't really, he's also alienated. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's not really a link to the greater world for these kids because he's disconnected from it as well. So he doesn't know what resources are at his disposal to make life better at this house or, or, to make the interactions with the outside world less jarring and problematic for all involved. Because he kind of thinks of it as, oh, I have to protect these kids from the world. But also, conversely, I have to protect the world from these kids. So there is no kind of like, that kind of a arrangement, it's not going to bend, it's going to break. Like, right. there's no give there. So... You have to find a way to convince Bruno that, like, this oath he swore doesn't mean, like, oh, completely separate the two. Right. And I, I honestly do feel like Peter especially, but Peter and Anne would be the bridge yeah. for that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because they're going to bring compassion, but also, like, reality check. Yes. And also, like, probably they're younger. So they'd probably bring, like, a little bit more of a relaxed more up-to-date understanding of the condition that these kids have. Like, Mm -hmm. they'd probably bring in the, like, hip researchers. And and a better knowledge of the resources available. Yeah. You know? Because even Bruno's understanding of it seems pretty archaic and, like, one note. Yeah. So I have two questions for you. Mm Mm-hmm. What do we do if Emily doesn't go for this plan? Killer, right? I think we, she has to die. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> she looks like a big fat bug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I like you, pretty lady. <sighs> yeah, there. You know what? There are certain times in which I would condone the adults in this family looking the other way while the kids get a little murderous, and that would be one of them if Emily doesn't get behind the plan. <laughs> I love our family therapy office. We're like, okay, if if you don't get behind what we're saying, you're going to get killed. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Second question. What about daddy? Papa? I mean, I I I question how hygienic, (laughs) you know, it was to let a corpse rot in a bed. Well, okay. So by the time we meet Papa, he's a full skeleton. He's a full skeleton. Maybe they ate him. So I was going to say, he might not have rotted in that bed. Yeah, they probably ate him. It's entirely possible. <laughs> Do we let... Good old Titus marry? <laughs> Do we let Titus hang out? No, he's got to go. I mean, the first thing you got to do is you got to teach these kids what death is. Yeah. And I think a part of that is being like, we got to get this skeleton out of here. <laughs> Let's bury your father. Yeah, like show the skeleton to the kids and be like, this is death. Honestly, and now he goes away forever. Yeah, this is literally step one. This yeah. is the first thing that needs to happen. <laughs> get, get, get the skeleton out of the bedroom <laughs> and say, this is what happens when you catch somebody in your web and you stab them a bunch of times. Yeah. Or when you um, give them poison mushrooms. You know what? You're right. I'm sorry. Step one is to put all the knives away. Yeah, we got to definitely lock <laughs> up those, those sharp things. Yes. No knives, no pitchforks, probably no rope. No. Take the rope away. Yeah. Uh, start putting bells on all the cats. Or no, 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 no. So put a, you got to put a bell on Ralph. On Ralph, not the cats. So you that also, the cats can hear him coming and run away. Let's get some legitimate terrariums for those spiders. <laughs> you can't just let them wander around right, like no, that. That's, yeah. yeah. They're going to get hurt. Yeah. I mean, I think putting the spiders in a terrarium with a nice bunch of like flora that spiders like would be a step in teaching the kids about structure. Right? And Virginia already has shown a an intense desire to care for and protect these spiders. Yeah. And that is the perfect place to start with teaching her how to, you know, not murder human beings. Yeah. <laughs> but again, I don't know who's... I don't know this is how she's going to take to the idea of structure. There's only one way to find out. And yeah. you know what? And Every look, there's- kid... <laughs> really truly needs some structure yeah they at least deserve the effort and look yes. if it doesn't take there's always the dynamite in the shed <laughs> yeah, right. we can always go to the yeah. dynamite plan, plan. b <laughs> it's always the suitcase yes. that will blow everything up yeah <laughs> Just reset there you go <laughs> if all else fails hit the reset button sometimes you just can't save the horny homeschooled kids nope <laughs> you gotta blow them up there's no in between. Honestly, I think step one's going to be getting some vaccinations for these kids because I doubt they're vaccinated against anything. Um, actually, I don't know. I mean, the first time we meet Ralph, he's coming back from the doctor. Yeah, he did say that they go to the doctor regularly. Regularly, and then they turn that against him, which made me so mad. Where they're <laughs> like, "Oh, is there some kind of problem where they need to go see a doctor all the time?" No, that's just responsible caregiving. Yeah, it's health. <laughs> healthcare is a right. Yeah. And preventative health care is important. I don't understand. Virginia can eat bugs, but she's a vegetarian. Are vegetarians allowed to eat bugs? Uh, it depends on which vegetarian you ask. Oh, yeah. They're kind of like the <laughs> eggs and milk <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. I'm an ovo-lacto-vegetarian. Yeah. I'm a pescatarian. Yeah. Sometimes vegetarians eat fish. It's okay to eat fish because they don't have any feelings. You know who said that? Kurt Cobain. <laughs> I just, just love how fucking... I love this movie. 
Yeah, it's great. I really love this movie. I fucking love. I love so much. This might be my favorite moment is when (laughs) I can't remember exactly what happened, but they're they're like getting to the basement after they've like captured Anne and and Virginia says to Elizabeth, she's like, you made this plan because she's like, what's next? And she's like, I don't know. And she's like, you made this plan. (laughs) And uh, Elizabeth says, but I didn't have enough time to finish it. That's fantastic. I love that. They're just like stuck in this weird limbo of dragging somebody to the basement. When, I mean, before that, when Anne and Peter come back to the house and they're drunk and that whole Virginia and Elizabeth, the whole car ride is amazing. But then Virginia and Elizabeth are like with their nightgowns, like holding up their nightgowns, like Dracula's cape almost. And they're like, welcome. (laughs) (laughs) And and Peter and Anne are both drunk, so they're just, like, playing along with it, you know? And it's really kind of fun. It's really that, like, drunks and children kind of a deal. Right. Where it's like, they're all on the same page right now. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> but also not really, because two of them have definitely just murdered a man. Yep. And they're covering it up so well. <laughs> so I think we did it, right? We fixed the how sure. Marys, the Mary house. And if it, again, if we didn't fix them, there's dynamite. Yeah, yeah. And Bruno is okay to use it. Bruno is dead. (laughs) And I trust his judgment on that. Yeah. He cares a lot, you know? So he wouldn't do that if there was no unless there was no other option. I one hundred percent. Okay. God, I love Lon Chaney Jr. (laughs) So that is our Spider Baby Family Therapy. Yeah. The Mary Howes or the How Marys. How Mary's. How Mary's. Merry Christmas. Not yet. Not yet. It's coming up. It is coming up. So yeah, next week, we will be helping a very different family. All right. Well, until then, bye, good luck. I must ask that you treat the children tactfully. You should hate her. (laughs) I just want to sing the entire theme song right now. Oh my God, the theme song is so great. Sung by Lon Chaney Jr. Yep. This has gone well beyond the bounds of prudence and good taste. By good luck. TTFN.